and welcome everyone. I am Caleb Flaggy and this is the Made in Gainesville podcast. On this show, you'll hear stories and get insights from business owners and leaders from across the nation that have ties to Gainesville. On this episode, I'll be talking with Dean Cacciatore, owner of Cacciatore Catering. Dean and I will discuss how he turned a passion for food into a reputation for world-class catering. Dean will tell us about learning to cook in his grandmother's kitchen, as well as in the restaurant kitchens of high-tempered German head chefs. Dean will give us some tips on staying positive and motivated during difficult times, and he will share some exciting news about his pizza restaurant opening in the Hale Village Center in January 2021. Enjoy! Can you tell me about your culinary background and the evolutions that took place to arrive at Cacciatore Catering in its current form? Yes, uh, it is a long story, so I will uh, you know, just highlight some of the points that I think are of interest. Um, uh, I am one of seven kids, and um, uh, at a very young age, my grandmother uh, came to live with us. And um, as you can imagine, being, being around seven kids, there was constant cooking going on. Um, she is of Italian descent and um, uh, did a lot of uh, from scratch cooking, um, took pride in everything that she did. And um, every time I came home from school or woke up, she was habitually in the kitchen. So um, that, that sparked my interest. And I, I was always constantly peeking over her shoulder at a young age. And then as I got older, I, I was able to really appreciate what she was doing. So that, that really sparked my interest in culinary. And to be honest with you, we use some of those recipes even today. Uh, a large majority are either the exact recipe or uh, we've created something based on the recipes that, that she has shown me over the years. Um, and then when it came time to get a job, um, I, I thought about, you know, some different things and went into um, restaurants. Um, I was a busboy for a little bit of a stint. And then at uh, 14, 15, I just, I was working in a, a pizzeria and uh, automatically took a, a love for the whole business. Um, um, we made dough from scratch, you know, we made some cheese from scratch. And it was a, a mom and pop type place. And I worked there throughout high school and uh, really took appreciation for that. And then when it was time to go to college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I did know that I, I had a passion and love for, for restaurants. So I went to a small D3 school outside of Philadelphia and I got my undergrad in hotel and restaurant management. But even more importantly to me, I was able to work in some different um, food service establishments and um, I gravitated towards the kitchen. And that's where probably my uh, school of hard knocks in, in culinary arts uh, really took form. Uh, I worked underneath some relentless uh, German chefs who, who taught me the, the ways and um, really opened my eyes on what it was, what it was like to not only work in a kitchen, but also to run a kitchen, even more importantly. So um, a lot of my culinary background and skills uh, are, are from those formative years during college. And then after that, you know, I took some continual education courses at the Culinary Institute of America and some other places, but uh, that was really the, the background for my culinary um, experience. So you said you worked under some relentless German chefs. Uh, you know, we kind of have maybe a little bit of that stereotype of the, you know, the angry 
head chef in the kitchen. Uh, how was, how was that experience? Was that a little intimidating or did you handle it pretty well? Definitely at first I was very intimidated and, um, uh, came to work every day with a little bit of fear, fear in my heart, but, uh, it, it really motivated me because of the knowledge that these guys had and their expertise and how they really were passionate about the product that they were putting out. So a lot of their, um, I, I guess you would say aggression or anger was really because uh, they weren't really um, being able, or I should say they, 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 the people that worked under them um, either weren't following directions or weren't really as passionate about putting out the product as they were. So um, I, I wouldn't say that they were um, hard to work underneath, but it definitely opened my eyes as to, you know, uh, how, how passionate these guys were. And um, with that, I, I definitely gravitated towards that. And then, you know what, once you got to know them, they were, you know, they were, they were, they were great. They were down to earth guys, but uh, they just really, um, strive for excellence. And I'm sure it's one of those things where if you have, you know, the same passion they do, they probably recognize it and you're probably not as big of a target as other people in the kitchen might be. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember one time I was, uh, I was doing a, a poached salmon and we were garnishing it up and, um, it's going to be on display at an event the following day. And upon taking it to the, to the refrigerator, I dropped the thing. And they were, they said a lot of bad words and they, um, they were very disappointed. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't bear that responsibility of not having that fish displayed the next day. So I remember um, when everybody left, I came back and it was like one o'clock in the morning and I pulled the fish out. I poached it from scratch and I, I garnished it with the chauffois and uh, I was there probably about three, four hours. So when they came in that, that, that fish was there and it was ready to go. So I think at that point they knew I was kind of serious and my, my passion as well too. Very nice. So you had said that you still use some of your grandmother's recipes. Uh, you know, what, what are some examples of that and how do they show up in what you're doing today? Sure. Sure. Um, so, uh, Italians, American, Italian Americans, you know, we either call a red sauce gravy or just sauce. So, her, her recipe is the basis for all the red sauces that we do today. Um, we're, we're about to open up a pizzeria at the end of January and the sauce, not only for the pizzas, but everything that we'll be doing um, is her, is her recipe. Same thing with the meatballs and some other, some other items as well too. So with all this background, how did this evolve into catchatory catering? Uh, uh, after college, I, um, I took a job with uh, Marriott Corporation and I worked for a number of years with them as a corporate chef and I traveled all over the place and um, uh, we were still up in the Northeast at that time. And I decided that it might be a good idea to relocate to Florida. So uh, we, we took a job. I took a job actually in Gainesville and back in 94, 95 and worked with Marriott continually in their, um, their, their food service operations. And then uh, I think it was around 99 or 2000, Marriott was actually getting ready to leave. And um, they wanted me to go and transfer somewhere else. But at that time, my wife was, was pregnant with twins as, as you can definitely relate to. Yes. Um, 
so that we had a we had a decision to make, and um, both my my wife and myself decided uh, since we had a pretty good feel for the for the area, fell in love with Gainesville, had a pretty good following that we would go out on our own, and um, we we left Marriott in 2000 and 2001. Uh, Catchatory Catering was born, and we've been doing it ever since. So tell me a little about Catchatory Catering. What kind of clients do you have? You know, what sets you apart from other catering companies, the food that you serve, you know, et cetera? Um, as far as um, what, what sets us apart, um, I would say uh, my, my presence. I'm involved in each and every event that we do, um, whether I'm there from the inception to close, but I definitely have a presence during those events. We do not take on multiple events um, at one time that I know that we can't handle or I cannot be at or oversee. So uh, on a personal level, I, I think that that added value and that um, sense of security that when a client sees me there, um, they're, they're rest assured that their event is going to go over well, for sure. Um, as far as our clients, we got a pretty broad spectrum. Um, I've been privileged and honored to work with um, the president's office at the university since 1995. Um, we've been the exclusive caterer there since. Uh, worked under uh, five presidents now, um, but it, it, it all started with that. And in addition to that, it's, it's kind of spilled over to other departments and areas. Um, but for me and, and for what we concentrate on for, for our caterers, catering events is um, the president's office. And then if our schedule allows, you know, we'll do weddings, we'll do small groups. We don't really have um, a, a set amount of folks or a set amount of groups that we, that we do. It's all based on availability. And what is uniquely challenging about catering that's different from the other types of food service that you've been in? Um, the thing that I find, I wouldn't say challenging, but um, you need to definitely take in consideration on the planning end. You want to be able to produce a, a, an item. If, for example, if you're doing a tasting um, at your at my place and a, a bride and groom come in and they taste something and they like it, you want to make sure that you're going to be able to reproduce that somewhere else. Um, you have to take in consideration transportation. How long is the food going to to be there? What are you going to finish on site? What are you going to What are you going to do at your base kitchen? So it's all about timing and all about what foods are conducive to, to hold up for that period of time. It's not like you're, you're cooking something uh, in the back in the kitchen and it's going right out to the table to the guests. Sometimes that is true, but we may have to have all our base sauces done at our commercial kitchen and then we bring them on site and then we may grill the, whatever the item might be or prepare whatever the item might be and finish it off there. So it's definitely a, a planning and scheduling um, challenge. And you had mentioned that you uh, try to make a point to be at all the events that you cater. Um, you know, I'm sure that goes hand in hand with a excellent level of service, but how do you develop an excellent level of service for your organization? Um, I would say it, it, it starts, you know, starts at the top, you know, both myself and my wife are involved. Um, we hire a lot of student servers and they go through a pretty vigorous training program uh, before they're able to uh, serve, a, serve a guest. Um, it, it just it goes with hand in hand in terms of um, being able to be visible and to, to kind of coach those, those folks along. 
Um, I've been very fortunate and lucky that my kitchen staff, uh, I've had them for over 25 years. And um, the, the folks in the kitchen know the way that I like things done. Um, and so with that, you know, I'm very fortunate that I have that at least confidence level in the back of the house. And then I may need to, you know, work on some, some new hires in the front of the house. But as far as stability in the kitchen, I've been very, very fortunate. So you mentioned that you have a lot of student employees, and I'm sure that to varying degrees, you kind of become a, a mentor to some of these students. Um, what kind of lessons do you hope that these student employees take with them when they move on eventually? Um, well, I, I would just say work ethic. I, I know that um, we've had a couple of students that have changed their major because of working with us. Um, we have a great relationship with the uh, University of Florida, and um, we, we hire uh, interns from time to time and expose them to our, our end of the business and how we do things. Um, but in terms of, um, uh, I just want to portray the passion that I have and the importance of what we're doing, um, even if it, they're new to it. Um, and it, it kind of goes both ways. I feed off of their energy, just being around young people every day. It definitely you know, energizes me and rejuvenates me. So it's, I, I get just as much out of working with them and uh, hope they do the same. What's the biggest future challenge that you see coming for the students that you employ after they move on? Well, I would say considering our current situation, um, nobody really has a clear vision of what we're going to look like on the other side of this. Um, I would just um, say the ability to be flexible and to to adjust to whatever situation that's going on. Um, I, I just see our world uh, with, with different, different eyes right now. And um, I would just say, you know, patience and being able to assess everything before you make a hesitant decision, whether it be a job or moving or relocating. Um, I, I just think that, you know, being a little uh, cautious at this point is, is probably wise. But in terms of challenges, um, oh my gosh, I wish I had a crystal ball to answer that question. Um, so assuming you're talking about you know, COVID, what kind of adaptations have you had to come up with to adjust to the COVID situation this year? Yes, that, that has been something that we've been working on since the inception. Um, unfortunately, we're not doing a whole lot of catering right now, as you can imagine. Um, groups are not gathering um, smartly and um, we're not putting anybody really in unnecessary danger at, at this point. Um, but in terms of safety, uh, what we do, uh, what we have done is kind of uh, make sure that the, the personnel and the staff that we're bringing to an event are of the utmost safest and have been checked. So we initiated temperature checks right away. We've initiated um, the personal protection gear um, gloves, uh, sanitizers, everything that everybody else has been doing. You know, if we're serving a meal, um, we want to make sure that we're very conscientious that each guest is, is seated six feet apart. And again, we're not doing a whole lot of this right now. So um, it, we're, we're, we're very cautious. And in that sense, we're able to, to accommodate all these safety requirements. Other than COVID, what is the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome? Uh, I would say, uh, probably on a personal level, I, I lost my mother when I was very young, um, and I was the oldest of seven, and uh, 
that's, that's when my grandmother came to live with us actually. And, um, so I would say I, I, I had to probably grow up a little quicker than I, I probably should have. Um, but, um, I would say that that is, that is probably the greatest challenge even to this day that, or obstacle that, that I had to adjust to for sure. And that's a, you know, a hard thing to, to spin a positive on, but has that challenge helped you in any way today as far as, you know, where you are oh, in life absolutely. right now? It, it's definitely given me a greater appreciation of, of every day. Um, you know, I was beyond fortunate uh, to, to meet my wife and I contribute uh, her to a lot of our success. Um, we have a a relationship to where, you know, we were fortunate in a way because we didn't really know each other that well, but in terms of, uh, going into something very quickly, we definitely did. And, you know, I I really believe that, um, that outside forces were kind of looking above us, uh, or on us and, um, has, she's, she's challenged me in ways as a partner and has helped us. Um, get to get to where we are today. Speaking of your parents and your grandparents, what is the most important thing that you've learned from either of them? I would definitely say work ethic. You know, um, we came from a very, you know, middle class type uh, family. Um, everybody, uh, hard, hard workers beyond, beyond belief. My father worked in a family business in Jersey City with his brother and my grandfather. And um, you know, he commuted probably 45 minutes to an hour each way and then uh, came home and had to attend, you know, as a single parent to seven kids and always found time to either take us on a vacation or, you know, um, arrange for for people to be dropped off and picked up for sporting events um, and still had time to to maintain and uh, do things around the house. His energy level probably um, inspired me and uh, probably ingrained in me in some, some way for sure. So speaking of that energy level, uh, you know, I've heard you had a, you have a reputation for being a very positive person and how do you remain positive during difficult situations and avoid that seemingly very easy pull over to the negative? Um, I, I truly believe that the energy that you put out comes back to you. And I, I, I really believe that having that positive mindset, um, keeps you keeps you healthy and kind of in tune to what's going on i i you know i'm not to say that i i never go over to the to the negative side or look at the the other way but in in terms of um getting back what you put out i i I truly believe that you know that's true in in life whether in relationships um or you know in the universe, I, I truly believe that, you know, if you put out that positive energy, um, that will, it will come back to you in the same way. And kind of along those lines, do you have a uh, personal mantra? Um, I don't think I have a personal mantra, but, you know, on the, on the onset of this whole pandemic thing, um, it's allowed me really to take a step back and get off the hamster wheel and really um, even more so appreciate what I have. So during the course of the day, what I like to do is take a minute um, or not even a minute, like 30 seconds during multiple times of the day and just go outside and maybe look up and just be thankful for, for what I have. And um, 
So I would say that's probably as close to a mantra as I have, but uh, just appreciation okay. for, for everything and taking a moment to recognize that and being really grateful and showing some gratitude. And speaking of the, uh, the hamster wheel, you'd mentioned earlier that you are opening a, like a pizza kitchen in Hale. Uh, could you tell sure, us a more sure. about that? Sure, sure. Going back to my roots where it all started when I was 14, but, uh, um, probably about eight years ago, we opened up a small, um, operation, pizza operation in, in Hale, where we're at our commercial or main commercial kitchen is. So um, when catering uh, really exploded, we only have so much square feet. So we had to close down pizza just because we could not do it and do it right, I felt. Um, but obviously with times changing and the way we are right now, um, we've decided to bring back um, our pizza operation. So uh, at the end of uh, 20, or I'm sorry, end of January, 2021, we'll be opening up um, a, a pizzeria and kitchen in, in Hale Plantation. And um, we'll be serving, it'll be counter service, there'll be seating outside. Um, we're gonna offer traditional pizza items that I grew up with. And uh, in addition to that, we're gonna offer some other things as well too, maybe some catering favorites that folks like over the years. Um, but it's, it's going to be where well, I'm excited. I'm very excited for it. I've always loved doing pizza. I was very sad when we had to close it. Um, and I'm excited to see where this goes. I think a lot of people were sad when you had to close yeah. that down. So what keeps you motivated to take on new projects like this? Um, you know what? I, I, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm always enthused and energized about, you know, uh, doing something different or new. Um, regardless if you're, if you're, you know, I, I don't like being complacent for sure. I don't like standing still. And even if you are complacent, things around you are always changing anyway. So you're not really standing still in my mind. So I, I truly believe that, um, that you're always moving and, you know, working with food in particular, it's never really the same. You know, if you're, if you're sourcing quality items, if you're, you know, looking for things to, to better your product. It's always evolving and always changing. So that idea that you're making the perfect pizza or the perfect crab cake, um, in my mind, I don't think you could ever do that. I, I, I strive to do things to where I, I, I do them better than I've done before. And you might nail it one day and then the next day it might not be the same for whatever reason. And that's why, um, working with food, um, it, it, it does not allow you to be complacent if you're using your, your sourcing quality items. You make a good point that it's hard for it to be consistent. Um, but how, how can you make it as close to consistent as you can, you know, just so there's not such a wide, wide swing in quality from one day well, to the for, next? For me, and it, it probably is, um, it starts with uh, sourcing the food, you know, making sure that you know where the food is coming from. And not only that, you know, you may know where the food's coming from, but you want to know, for example, if you're working with, you know, beef or poultry, you want to know what the food is eating. You don't want necessarily need to know where it's coming from, from time to time, but you need to know what they're eating to, to make sure that, that the food that you're producing is consistent. And that, and just, you know, overseeing everything and making sure that your hands are are in everything. And if it's not right, you know, I, I don't want to serve it. I, I will not, you know, I don't compromise. I do not, 
you know, feel like that it's in my best interest. And it's certainly, if, if I can't serve it to my family and kids, I, I will not serve it. What is your advice to keep people motivated through life instead of coasting or, you know, resting on their laurels? Um, I would just say, you know, in, you, you have to enjoy life, enjoy every day. Um, you know, a great Steve Jobs quote that I heard a long time ago that I, I, I think about all the time is, you know, when you wake up every day and you look in the mirror and you ask yourself what I'm about to do today, if this was my last day, would I still do it? You know, and that alone, if that doesn't like raise the hair on your arms, I don't know what will. For people that want to try the pizza when you open the new restaurant, where can they find that or where can they find information? Okay, about so it? right now we're slated to open up the last week of uh, January. Um, our service is going to be limited right now to Thursday and Friday evenings. Um, and we'll see how that goes and possibly expand. But for now, they could reach us at um, www.cacciatorypizza.com or they could follow us on Facebook at Cacciatore Pizza and Kitchen. Um, in addition to that, we'll be putting out a telephone number, but anybody could reach me at any time on my cell, which is 352-745-0456. And you said this was in the Hale Village Correct. Center. Correct. We're located in the, the Hale Village Center. If you're familiar where uh, the meeting hall um, or church is, we're right next to it. We're right next to Lime Rock. Um, in the dead set of the village. Now, it could just be me, but it seems like that whole area has actually come a bit more alive during COVID. Yes, I, I have to say that the two restaurants next to me, uh, both Gordy at Lime Rock and Nestor at Volcanic, have done a wonderful job pivoting and you know changing their business over to do what they need to do. And um, it, <laughs> I was out there the other night on a Friday night, and Gordy has live music and. Um, people are outside, which is great because it's safe. Um, but yes, it is, it is, they've done a great job in, in transitioning over, uh, based on what's going on right now. Well, Dean, thank you for coming uh, on the show. Thank you, Cal. Thank you so much.